welcome to the Hearts Entwined podcast. In this podcast, we'll be having discussions around the secrets which attract lasting, healthy, fulfilling relationships, creating a healthy mindset, and what women should know and understand about men. Introducing your host, Lynn Smith, the Queen of Hearts, relationship expert, trainer, speaker, and best-selling author of the Cupid's Bow Technique. Lynn's mission is to have a positive impact in reducing divorce, domestic violence, and suicide. Welcome to the Hearts Entwined podcast. This is your host, Lynn Smith, the Queen of Hearts. And today, listeners, we're going to be talking about the art of taking responsibility to create lasting relationships. And I've got a lovely expert here today. Her name is Sophie Pissoon, and her title is that she is a relationship and dating expert. So welcome, Sophie. Hi, thank you for having me. You're very welcome. So then the actual um, art of taking responsibility to creating lasting relationships, it's a big subject, isn't it? It is, yeah. But it's actually quite close to my heart because a lot of people wonder why things aren't going their way or why, you know, it's not happening for them. And the truth of the matter is they are not taking responsibility. Yeah, and I think quite often it's all too easy, isn't it, to point the finger at our partner and say, it's them, it's them, it's them. I think, you know, as you say, it's a massive subject. So where do you start? There's so many things. For starters, you know, even if you have a person who is left, even if you have a person who didn't have a clue what's going to happen, you still played a role in that. And people still need to understand that, yes, you know, it's horrible and all the rest of it. But it's self-reflection, self-awareness. What happened? What contributed to this relationship not working, what could you have done differently? And it's not about beating yourself up. It's not about, um, you know, oh, why do I always do things wrong? It's not like that. It's just either there was a behaviour that didn't work with the partner. So is the problem the behaviour or is the problem the kind of partner you were with? Is it that you need someone who's completely different? So, as I said, it's about self-reflection and actually asking yourself the difficult questions. But most people just want it gone. They put it in that box, they lock it with chains and padlocks and stuff, and then it comes back seeping out in the middle of the night when you're driving your car, and you try to close that box back down. But until you've actually opened it and faced up to what's inside, you're never, ever going to get better. Or have better relationships for that matter. No, and it's so true that we sometimes either repeatedly go into different relationships and then get the same experiences because we've not learnt the lessons from previous relationships. Or like you say, we've we 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 keep taking the same baggage with us <laughs> and mind yeah, yeah. into our next relationships, aren't we? And I think you know. So if I give you an example of mine, so when I was much younger, I. I can't really explain where that came from. I think it was more the, the job I had at the time. I was an area manager in the security industry. So that's quite a male-dominated environment. And if you were a woman, you were probably working in admin or HR, not in operations. And I suppose that came from wanting to prove I was as good as, or I'm not sure. But I projected a very strong image, which is fine. Um, I think I still do project that. But what I wasn't projecting was the fact that actually there is a little soft marshmallow centre in this. And 
I mean, I used to be called a dragon because, you know, you could like tease me for a while and then, you know, it would explode sort of thing. Mm. But in that dragon, there was still a soft way in. And the problem was that whoever I was with, the moment I showed that vulnerability, they were gone because I was speaking people that actually wanted the support all of the time. So by being a fixer, all I was getting was needy people. And actually, yeah, I like fixing, but I need help too sometimes. I don't want to always be the one carrying everyone. Mm. So in terms of relationship, that in time changed. But I know that with what I'm doing as a job now, that element is still there. And I have to be very, very aware of it, even with friends, that they're not taking all the time sort of thing. And that sounds a little bit nasty and selfish if a friend was to listen and think, oh, that's not fair. I'll do a lot for her too. It's not like that. It's in subtle ways that sometimes you can just give too much of yourself. And I know that for me, it brings resentment. It brings uh, all sorts of negative emotions that could have a lasting impact on that friendship. Would I not be aware that it's happening? And that's the thing, it's the awareness that comes with it. And it's taking responsibility for the behavior because I'm obviously portraying something that they feel they can take, if yes. you know what I mean. I had a similar experience where I was in a relationship where I feel, felt like I was doing all the giving and uh, I thought I was being the bigger person by being forgiving of any unacceptable behavior. Whereas actually all I was doing was not having strong enough firm enough boundaries and mm. therefore like you say resentment set in then don't you and you feel like you know um I deserve better than this whatever that this is in the in the relationship and um it, you, you're just uh on a hiding to nothing if you don't accept that you're playing some sort of part in the result you're getting yeah but people don't like to hear that people really don't like to hear that and if, even more so in the controversial cheating side of things. Because, you know, it's always the person who cheats that he's seen as the bad one. And don't get me wrong, I'm not condemning that. I'm not condemning cheating in any way, shape or form. But the other person will have played a role. Yeah, and, and that's around trust, isn't it? Distrusting. It's around trust. It's around, you know, have they changed the behavior with their partner? Why did that person feel the need to go elsewhere? And I think also, you know, you don't just wake up one day, where well, some people do, but the majority of people don't just wake up one day and, and think, oh, I know, I'm going to go and find myself a bit on the side. No. They don't. It's a gradual process. And then because we're not happy, something will happen. And there's that little bit of opportunity that, wouldn't be there even um, needs were satisfied at home, so to speak. I think that's down to um, quite often if it's the man that's done the cheating. Um, and I'm not saying that women don't, but they obviously do. But I know that if if in a relationship when I'm talking to a woman who I mainly deal with as clients, the man is doing the cheating. Usually it's around the man not feeling appreciated within the home mm. environment that that, that happens. Yeah, and that's where they're taking responsibility, but also communication. Because it's very easy to just um, let things slip. And really, you know, it's the little things. All these little things are happening that seem irrelevant. They're not important. Just sweep it under the carpet. We move on from that. 
And all of these little things build up and build up and then the carpet's touching the ceiling because, you know, you can't hide them anymore. But they've become massive things at that point. I mean, I had a customer years ago and the reason why she came to me wasn't to do a relationship whatsoever. She was wondering whether she needed to stop her business and go back to being employed. But after unraveling everything, what transpired was that actually um, she felt unsupported by her husband. And they had both set up on their own. They had both, um, you know, spent a lot of time looking after family, grandkids, parents, excuse me. <laughs> Sorry. Um, and as a result, yeah, they knew each other. They'd been together 35 years. So they knew each other inside out. They knew how each other liked their toast, how to make the tea. They knew where to put the slippers or where they'd find the slippers or whatever, you know what I mean? But what they'd forgotten is to talk and they were going in very different directions. So in a way, she came at the right time. You know, the, the wanting to give up a business was more a symptom of something else mm. than it was giving up the business. And because of that, you know, we stayed together today. But it's very easy to let life interrupt you. And, you know, oh, we deal with that tomorrow. But tomorrow is like 10 years time now. Yes. Yeah. And I, quite, I think quite often, um, especially from the woman's point of view, we check out of our relationships probably one or two years before we actually, <laughs> and emotionally grieve for that relationship before we actually end it. <laughs> so by the time that point comes where, you know, um, the, the guy's aware that something needs fixing, she's done. And, and, and this goes back to communication. So what happens is, something triggers something and then a healthy response shall we say and get to say was me I think right I need to have a conversation with him but there is no point because he's going to say a b c d e so it's not his problem it's mine I'll sort it out by myself and that is the beginning of the end because we're now working solo completely on our own not making the other person aware there's an issue whatsoever because we assume we know what we're going to say. And this little thing becomes bigger because now we're really resenting it and we, we're adding to it and adding to it. And by the time five years later, we say, sorry, I'm done. The other person's like, you what? I didn't realise there was a problem. Yeah, yeah. And uh, like you say, communication is key and we're not saying that any one person uh, is is responsible for starting that process but it's about creating that awareness in, in our relationships isn't it and, and probably educating kids about how to have healthy relationships to start with which we were never taught in schools are we or by our parents but i think the other thing as well is um constructive conversation now a while i think it was about a year ago a friend of mine sent me some whatsapp messages and basically it was a rent about her husband and it went on and on and on, and it's written, and I'm just going through, and I'm like, I'm bored, this is white noise, this is nagging. So I'm bored, and I'm not even part of it, and I'm thinking, the poor guy must be thinking all the time, you know, oh, she's going on again. I mean, it's just me, don't listen to me. I'm like, well, I'm not surprised, to be fair, I didn't listen either. I didn't read the whole thing, because I got bored halfway through. So I can imagine, I feel his pain, to be fair. And she goes, oh, that's not very nice, which side <laughs> are you on? I said, well, actually, I'm on yours. Because I, by telling you this, I'm trying to help you. So then I sent her to some videos and stuff to learn how to communicate properly, which is basically make sure the other person feels hurt first. 
and then take them into consideration into how you're feeling. Because, you know, it seems to be, especially with Gen Z, that, oh, that's the way I feel. And that's the end of a conversation. Well, I'm delighted. That's the way you feel, but that's not ex- gaining anything. That's not helping your partner. That's not helping your relationship. You know, you, the way you feel, the way they feel, needs to be acknowledged and something comes in the middle. Not just that's the end of it, because that's how I feel and it's wrong. Yeah. Where'd you go I with that? That's a very wise saying that to, to be understood, first we must understand. And, and the first thing is yeah. to understand our partner and ask questions around, you know, what they think initially uh, i think another opening. point that's dodgy is um when babies are born because the mother i mean i haven't got kids um i'm not really able to so such is life but what i've seen is so a baby is born the mother we look after the poor thing that just born can't feed itself can't do anything by itself the husband feels at the bottom of the list and women who've just had a child or two or three will say it's like I've got four kids because, mm. you know, he's not helping me. But it's because he's feeling rejected and at the bottom of the list. Mm. Now, the woman thinks she's at the bottom of the list because she's having to help all of these people. And what about me? And unless this is spoken about, it, again, is the seed for something to happen over time. And I think also because men and women have, you know, ge- genetically different brains and the way we think, the way we behave, is totally different from from each other. We tend to think that you know our spouse thinks and feels and behaves the same as another woman would in a relationship, and that's not the case. And so it's learning how men think and feel and behave um, is is different to what we do. And quite often, I think men feel that they're um, not going to be appreciated. Um, to offer to help because men generally are fixers you know they feel they can fix things in for themselves so they don't think to offer to help like another woman would because they think you've got it handled unless you say you need help (laughs) but I think even like so a friend of mine um I was always thought she was probably bisexual but she'd never been with a woman and then went on to meet a woman and I actually I'm probably gay um but even like so woman and woman there were still massive discrepancies because whether you're the same gender or not, you're still going to be different, aren't you? You're going to react different to different things because of life experience and, you know, your own perceptions, your own upbringing and all of these things. And we just kind of take for granted that the other person should know us and should understand us. But what are we doing to know them and understand them? Like, not what we want to see, not how we want them to react as if they were another woman or whatever, how they truly are. And I think especially at the beginning of a relationship, that's even worse to a degree because people really have got the pink fluffy glasses on and they just see what they want to see. Absolutely. But I think it's not necessarily about um, gender. Um, It's about energy. And I think even in gay relationships, you know, we attract the polar opposite. So even woman to woman in a relationship, you'll find that one's got the natural core energy that's the more dominant masculine and one's got the natural mm. core energy that's the more feminine, even though they're the same gender. So again, yeah. you know, it's it's the differences between the energies more than the, the genders that's the thing that sort of can create the different mindsets and behaviours that we're not familiar with because we only know what's familiar for us yeah. you know, in terms of our own energy. But this is where, you know, spending a bit of time 
reflecting on who we are and how we've gained some of our beliefs. Um, you know, beliefs are a thing that, you know, when you're eight years old, you would like put your life on the fact that Father Christmas exists. You're just like adamant. You know, that is gospel truth. I mean, obviously at 12, 15, you definitely know that actually that wasn't quite the case. But we look at that, well, well, yeah, that's obvious, isn't it? But we don't look at it for our own beliefs at all. We don't challenge our beliefs, but we need to. I mean, for instance, um, I so I was using this example with a customer. Um, and as I was using it, I realized I actually still had the belief, despite the fact that I had identified that, you know, something was amiss. And the, the belief was that um, if you eat chocolate, you're going to get spots. And when I was eight years old, my uh, long story short, but my auntie got me a bar of chocolate and said, don't share with anybody, you eat it by yourself. And I said, I can't because I get spots. And she was a psychologist and she was NLP trained. And she said, I did, what makes you think that? And so my mum told me, and it's true because I used to have a lot of acne as a child. And um, she said, I want you to go and eat this bar of chocolate and I want you to savour every bit of it. And every time you're chewing on it, I wanted to say that you're not going to get spots the next day. So I did that. I had all the chocolate. And the next morning she was right. Not a single spot inside. And as I was sharing this example, I realised that actually, yeah, I recognised that was a belief and blah, blah, blah. Still wouldn't eat a bar of chocolate <laughs> for that reason. And I'm like, Jesus Christ. So by the time I was 37 and 45 now, and she's like, so actually, despite before I knew that, I've still for years carried on with it. Yeah, it's, it's amazing into the impact a, a comment can have from a, a parent, a family member, a sibling or a teacher at school that can have a lifelong impact. I know for me as a child uh, in primary school, I got told by a teacher that I couldn't sing because she auditioned us, you know, for like the school play. Well, I don't know whether it's a nativity thing or whatever. I can't remember. But she she auditioned us all and she either put you in the grunters group or the singing group. And I was the only girl in the grunters group. And in the grunters group, you had to learn a musical instrument to play instead. Yeah. And I carried that forward and I never sang in assemblies or any church services I went to thereafter. I just mouthed the words because I labelled myself as not being able to sing. And obviously these things, you know, singing, chocolate, that's not inverted brackets, major stuff. But when you start looking at beliefs around relationships and whether we're worthy of this or that or, you know, all of the stuff around it, it that's when it gets frightening because that's when we start to make wrong choices as well. Especially if we've got the belief that, you know, all men are cheaters, for example, because if mm. we're going into any relationship with that strong belief that, you know, just because of previous relationships, that might have been an issue. And then thinking that, you know, it, it applies to all men, then obviously quite often that's going to become a self-fulfilling prophecy just on them on yeah. the energy you're projecting and your behaviors you're projecting around that that you don't yeah. might not even be aware of because you're expecting it to happen so you will kind of you, you need to be reassured about what you believe is true so you're kind of gonna make it happen aren't you quite often if you have a strong belief you know our mind wants to be proved right so mm. you know we'll keep i suppose testing a partner to the point where Eventually, you are proved right. <laughs> as you, as you say, it's a prophecy. Yeah, yeah. And uh, it's it's amazing, you know, how often that, that is the case. And uh, we don't even realise that 
you know, the energy and the thoughts and behaviors we have and the around beliefs um, can affect our outcomes. And it, it's it's a case of we don't know what we don't know until we do, isn't it? Yeah, no, exactly. Exactly. But I think for me, the, the, the one thing is to just stop and look at ourselves. You know, I think there's an easy time to do it, which is around New Year. But I still think that it should be done more often than that. I try and challenge myself at least once a month because I don't think you can grow unless you do that. And mm -hmm. let's be realistic, there's no saying put. You know, even water doesn't stay put. If it's stagnant, it would still reduce because you get mouldy. If there's movement, it won't get mouldy. And it's the same sort of thing. If you, you know, regularly challenge yourself, you're more likely to open yourself up to new opportunities, new people, new things, uh, because you have self-awareness. And I'll find self-awareness quite, it's a hard one, because some people think they're self-aware, but they're really not. Mm. They have no idea how they perceived. You know, I mean, I'm very aware that something that's happened from being a child, when I'm walking in a room, often half the room does not particularly like me and the other half does. I don't know why. I don't even need to speak. Um, I was having this conversation with a customer this morning, actually, because she's experiencing the same sort of thing. It must be a presence thing. I'm not sure. Whatever it is. So I have a self-awareness. So I'm aware it might happen. And then I've got to really read the cues as to like, right, this person does not like you, even if you like them there's no point wasting your time on them because they're not going to want to talk to you for very long and they're going to give you a bad vibe and it's not going to make you feel particularly good so don't waste your time sort of thing but there is a guy I know and we were having a conversation just a couple of days ago about self-awareness and he's someone who's quite opinionated Opin yeah opinionated is that the right term yes and he didn't realize that which I find quite amazing because most people describe him as that. And yet he's someone who reads a lot, educated, that, you know, does reflect. And yet he didn't know that. Really? <laughs> yeah. So he wouldn't have described himself as being opinionated then? No, he wouldn't. He wouldn't. Interesting. Yeah. It's interesting how other people, like you say, perceive us and, and uh, we're not even conscious of that energy that we're exuding or that you know that's their awareness of who you are yeah completely and you know like for instance in his case he's just that he's passionate about certain things so that's the way he sees it oh but i'm just passionate about a b c or d and i'm like yeah but backhand come across a different way to certain people yeah based on the energy we're exuding with that passion. and the choice of word that we use language yeah. is really important isn't it yeah yeah absolutely you know um words have power massively yeah. so around the subject the art of taking responsibility to create lasting relationships if you've got somebody coming to you that that is is very much finger pointing you know to the to the past relationships or the current relationship as them being the issue and problem what do you say to them in, initially i don't <laughs> i don't is the truth um they need to get it out is the first thing they really need to get it out because until it's completely vented, there is no point attempting anything because they won't hear it anyway. So what I find is that saying something to someone like that or about that has less impact than getting them to realise it by themselves. 
So that is normally the route that I'll take. I will challenge through various question techniques and stuff to read them to make that realisation themselves. Exactly. And I think that's the an example of being a great coach is actually being able to ask the right questions so that people mm. come to their own realisations for themselves and come to their own answers for themselves. So well done for that, Sophie. Oh, thank you. So in terms of your best contact information, Sophie, what's the best way people can get in touch with you if they want to reach out? Just Google Sophie Passon and you'll find me one way or another. <laughs> <laughs> That's a nice, easy one. Thank you for that. And uh, That's all any, right. any other contact information, I think the listeners know by now, we put in the show notes, so we will do that. Final words then around the art of taking responsibility to create lasting relationships. Sophie, any final words of wisdom? Just do it. Don't, don't just read another book or listen to yet another podcast or video after you listen to this one. Just sit down and reflect and look at the patterns in your own behaviours. Look at the patterns in the people you attract. Just look at the patterns in your own life. Is it you? Probably. What is it that you're doing, not doing? What can you do? Just create some sort of self-awareness about your weak point and your strong point. Your weak point don't mean that you're weak. They just mean they can be tweaked. And they can be tweaked um, in ways that will change your life. And also your weak points, for instance, one of mine is I'm very stubborn. (laughs) And that's not great, but that makes me very resilient. So your weak points are not necessarily weak. They are strengths in their own rights at the right time. And the other thing I'd say is learn to be vulnerable because the more vulnerable you are, the less you have to hide. And the less you have to hide, the more authentic you are, the more authentic you are, the more people around with you, you will attract. 100% agree. Although, just to clarify, we're not suggesting people be vulnerable in relationships where there's a lot of toxicity or violence. No, no, obviously not. And there's a time and a place. Don't just go, like, you know, and be vulnerable in front of your boss, for instance, on certain matters. Yeah, it's okay to be open, but, you know, there's a time and a place for certain things. Absolutely. So it's a place of vulnerability from, you know, inner self-love and strength, not from a place of um, labelling yourself as a victim in a in a, a toxic or unhealthy relationship. Yeah. I mean, some people often say to me, but if I'm really me, people are not going to like me. And I'm like, no, I think they like you more. And if it doesn't, they're not the right people to have in your life anyway. So what have you got to lose by being your true self? Love that. Yeah, well done. That's a fabulous piece of uh, wisdom to end the episode on. So thank you so much, Sophie, for sharing your thoughts, your insights and your examples around the art of taking responsibility to create lasting relationships. Well, thank you for having me. So it just leads me to say that true love starts with opening our hearts. And until next time, goodbye for now. Thanks for listening to the Hearts Entwined podcast. You can follow Lynn via the Facebook group Two Hearts Entwined or search Lynn Smith, inspirational speaker at LinkedIn or email lynn at hearts-entwined.com. That's L-Y-N at hearts-entwined.com. Remember... True love starts with opening our hearts.